Hello and welcome to the RBC Ross Trevor Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community, to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoyed this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. It's great to see everyone here tonight. Um, it's my pleasure to come here and bring God's Word to you. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jamie. Uh, I have the privilege of serving as the Chairperson of Elders for Ross River Baptist Church. Um, and I'm here to bring you our last message in the Advent series, Let Earth Receive Her King. So we've uh, heard over the last few weeks uh, that as we receive Jesus as King, we receive salvation and experience blessing. We receive wholeness and receive, receive joy. And tonight we're going to see that when we receive Jesus as our King, we receive justice and righteousness. Now if we look around at the world today with a discerning eye, we would see that most people are passively and in some cases actively seeking to live without God. Most people would say that they have no need for Jesus. They try to live a good life. They're just fine. But what's the true outcome of a life lived without Jesus? Well, it's always some combination of chaos, strife, anger, lies, abuse, indifference, injustice and unrighteousness. This world has many kings, from monarchs to world leaders to armchair experts, but none of them can bring true justice and righteousness because none of them are in themselves just or righteous. The harsh truth is that all people, us included, are born sinners and of ourselves none of us can do anything about it. Now I apologise if that doesn't quite sound like the Christmas message you might have been expecting. But we need to be reminded of the awful and tragic context into which the true ruler, the King of Kings, came to the earth. He came to bring salvation and to make right all the injustices and unrighteousness that people have contributed to by their sin. The Advent season should remind us not just about the good news of Jesus, but why we need it. The Advent season should remind us not just about the good news of Jesus, but why we need it. The good news is that there is a king who brings justice and righteousness. King Jesus is the reason we're here tonight. And it's from the Bible, God's revelation to us of himself, that we can know and understand this amazing truth. In fact, if we're willing to take the time to read it, to study it, to meditate on it, we will see that all of it, Old Testament and New, is all pointing to Jesus, who is our Saviour and King. So tonight we're going to spend just a short time in Psalm 72, uh, and there is a breakdown of that on uh, the screen. And I encourage you this coming week, in the lead up to Christmas, to read this psalm each day so that you can meditate on what God is speaking to you about from this psalm. Ask him to reveal more about his character to you. Ask him how you can respond to him with increasing faith and good deeds. So let's pray and then we'll hear the word of the Lord. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity uh, to be together around your word tonight. I ask that you would speak through me by your spirit to each person here, uh, that you would reveal something about yourself and your character and about your word that we uh, are blessed by uh, and that would also challenge us to live more like Jesus. Father, we give you all the praise and we ask for your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. So grab your Bibles or your devices and open up to Psalm 72. And if you don't have either of those, we will have the verses on screen for you to follow along. Uh, And just a heads up, we will read the last two verses together. I won't make you read all of it together because that would be awkward. All right, so starting in verse 1. Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. May he judge your people in righteousness and your afflicted ones with justice. May the mountains bring prosperity to the people, the hills, the fruit of righteousness. May he defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. May he crush the oppressor. May he endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon, through all generations. May he be like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. In his days, may the righteous flourish and prosperity abound, till the moon is no more. May he rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May the desert tribes bow before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and sorry, lost my spot, and of distant shores bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and Seba present him gifts. May all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold from Sheba be given him. May people ever pray for him and bless him all day long. May grain abound throughout the land. On the tops of the hills may it sway. May the crops flourish like Lebanon and thrive like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. Then all nations will be blessed through him, and they will call him blessed. And let's read these last two verses together. Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvellous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. So as you might imagine, with that many verses in the psalm, there's lots that we could break down and dig into, but we don't have the several days that that would require. Um, So we're just going to pick out some of the key points from this psalm um, that speak to us about justice and righteousness. And this psalm is about a king And it so clearly points to Jesus as king. And starting in verse 1, we see the foundation for all that follows in the psalm. He is the royal son who is given God's own justice and righteousness. So Jesus, God's son, has God the Father's perfect character. And this gives us every reason to find comfort and encouragement in all the verses that follow. And this royal son, he's given a bunch of tasks And all of these tasks are preceded by the words, may he. And the first is found in verse 2. May he judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. 
So this son, this king, is tasked with bringing justice to the afflicted, whatever that affliction might be. And then in verse 4, may he defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. May he crush the oppressor. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of Jesus, I'm not usually thinking of the crusher. To crush someone is usually understood to be a bad thing. The crusher is usually the bad guy, like this guy up here. So just quietly, this is not a picture of Jesus. Okay. Anyone here old enough to remember Bugs Bunny cartoons? You might recognize this. Oh, good. Excellent. So this is who we normally think of as the crusher. This is not Jesus the crusher. But Jesus is a crusher of sorts. We need to then understand who is it that is being crushed. What's the identity of this oppressor that is being crushed? So we're not talking about um, the person being crushed as maybe an unreasonable lecturer or a hard-to-please employer or a difficult sibling. They can all be uh, um, oppressive in some respects, just like we can be to others, because all oppression has a root cause, which is sin. And the one who needs to be crushed is the one who draws out our sinful natures, which is Satan. He is the ultimate oppressor. So the psalmist here is talking about Jesus crushing sin and death and evil. It's not talking about one earthly king crushing a rival king, but Jesus coming to bring ultimate victory. But he does so in love through sacrifice. When verse 4 talks about saving the children of the needy, it isn't just talking about caring for their physical needs, although that is important. It is also talking about raising them in the word, giving them a foundation that will help them trust in God so they will reject sin and the oppression that sin brings. And this is a daily activity, to trust God and reject sin. That is a daily activity. So who do you know? Who in your circle of friends and family needs to know about Jesus? Who needs to know about the one who brings freedom, who brings um, justice and righteousness and victory from oppression? Verse 5 tells us that unlike an earthly king who will die and so no longer be able to protect his people, the son is tasked to endure forever through all generations. And this gives us great hope, not just for now, but also for the life to come. And then verses 8 and 9 tell us that his rule is to be from sea to sea to the ends of earth, to the ends of the earth. This is a rule over all of creation. Even the greatest of earthly kings will bow down to Jesus and the nations will serve him. And this is clear from verses 10 and 11. May the kings of Tarshish and of distant shores bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and Seba present him gifts. May all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. These verses call to mind the very familiar Christmas story about the wise men, which we sung about tonight. They seek out this new star. They travel great dis a great distance to find the one who is mighty and worthy of worship. In Matthew 2, verses 9 to 11, it says, They went on their way, and the star they had seen uh, when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. 
Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. It's a familiar story. These are gifts that are reserved for royalty. They're a tribute to majesty. And here they are given to a baby lying in a manger in a backwater town called Bethlehem. Certainly not where you would expect to find a king, yet clearly Jesus' majesty was already apparent because powerful men were bowing down to worship him like they would another earthly king. So verses 2 to 11 are a series of may statements. And the word may in English generally conveys the idea of possible, that something might happen. But that's not what's intended in this psalm. The psalmist assures us that there is good reason to take great hope from all the may he statements. In verses 12 to 14, we see a shift. It shifts from may to will. The may he statements find their fulfillment in three he will statements. So verse 12, for he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. So your blood, representing the life given to you by God, is precious to him. He hasn't created you on a whim. He's created you for a purpose. He hasn't created you to then ignore or destroy you, but to build you up. And he is paying attention to you, even when it doesn't seem like it. Have you ever cried out to God before? Around about 15 years ago, I was going through a bit of a rough patch, um, sort of emotionally, uh, and I felt really overwhelmed by everything, and I felt quite distant from God. And so I cried out to him. And basically, that just involved a fair bit of crying, um, but there was also worship and prayer and reading the Bible mixed into that. And God heard me, and he delivered me from that time. And he did this because he considers my blood, my life, to be a precious treasure. And the same is true for you. God considers your blood, your life, a precious treasure. He always hears when we reach out to him. So don't ever hold back from seeking him. If you're ever feeling overwhelmed, if you're ever feeling like you're struggling in anything, reach out to God because he is listening. As I was thinking about Um, God considering my blood a precious treasure, my life a precious treasure. I was drawn to Matthew 13, and in verse 44 it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and brought that field, and bought that field. So when we generally interpret this verse, we're thinking that the man is us, seeking and ultimately finding God and giving up all our treasures of the world to be with him. And that is true. But these words of Jesus, so masterfully spoken, allow for another interpretation. The man is God and we are the treasure. But what does God sell to obtain that treasure? Well, he gives his son Jesus over to death to purchase us as his great treasure. Jesus loved you so much that he humbled himself, was born a baby, lived as every other human has lived, surrounded by death and oppression, 
He endured the agony of the cross to pay the penalty of sin and so fulfill all justice and righteousness. This is Jesus' salvation gift to everyone who will receive it. Giving gifts at Christmas is a symbol of our love and care for the person we are giving the gift to. Yet no matter how thoughtful that gift, it is ultimately temporary, especially so if it ends up being re-gifted, but we won't go there. Nothing in creation lasts forever, but the gift Jesus gives is eternal because Jesus himself is eternal. Verse 17 in Psalm 72 says, May his name endure forever, may it continue as long as the sun. And that is a euphemism for eternity. Everything about Jesus that gives him his name, such as his love, his mercy, his compassion, his salvation, all these will continue as long as the sun. And they do this because Jesus, the firstborn of the dead, the king over all creation, lives forever. And because he lives forever, we know that the justice and righteousness that he brings will also last forever. Now, if I'm being really honest, justice and righteousness are not things I tend to think about on a daily basis. But I should, because I contribute to the problem of injustice and unrighteousness. I do this through my indifference, my negligence, my thoughtlessness, my sin. And as hard as it may be to hear, you contribute to this problem as well by your sin. We all bear responsibility for our sin and on our own we can do nothing about it. Yet when we receive Jesus as our true king, when we receive his gift of salvation, we experience the blessing of wholeness and joy and we're given the gift of justice and righteousness, not just as a once-off, but for all eternity. Psalm 72 is a celebration of King Jesus, the one who has come born as a man to die for our sins. He is the one who comes to us and is with us today in the person of the Holy Spirit. And he is the one who will come again to bring to completion God the Father's good and perfect plans for all of creation, including you and including me. And verses 18 and 19 sum up the right response to King Jesus, and that's to give him praise. We praise Jesus who alone does marvellous deeds. We praise him forever. The wise men from the east went out of their way. They travelled hundreds of kilometres to seek out and worship the true king. Isaac Watts, the uh, author of this, uh, the hymn from where our theme for this Advent, Advent series comes from, that hymn is Joy to the World, he wrote not only that hymn but hundreds of others all in praise to King Jesus. So what about us? We look at the wise men, we look at someone like Isaac Watts who wrote all these hymns and we think, I can't do stuff like that. Reality is we don't need to do stuff like that. We need to do what God is calling us to do to bring him praise. Are we going to go out of our way to seek and worship the true king, whatever that looks like? Will we set aside earthly desires and daily give praise to him? It takes effort. It takes commitment. We need to remember that while Jesus hates sin, he is not repelled by our sinful state. Instead, he reaches out 
He takes the initiative to save us and to wash us clean. And he rules this world with truth and grace. He brings justice and righteousness. So what more do we need this Christmas than our King, Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you praise and thanks for these words in Psalm 72 that point to Jesus and point to the justice and righteousness that, righteousness that he has brought to the world already and will continue to bring and will bring to fulfillment when he returns. Father, we ask for your courage, we ask for your strength, that we might live lives that reflect the justice and righteousness of Jesus that we would make the difficult decisions, that we would set aside self so that we might bring glory and praise to your name. Father, this is not easy for us to do, but we are submitting ourselves to you now and we're asking that you would help us to do this each and every day. We ask that as we head into Christmas that we would live lives that reflect the character of Jesus, that others might come to know him as well. And so we pray all of these things in your precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through The Hub online at thehub.rbc.org.au or through our social media links in the show notes. See you next time.